If I haven't got to meet you before, my name's Kirby, my wife Jennifer and I are the youth pastors here at Victory, and I get the privilege of bringing the very last message of At The Movies to you to you guys this morning. So, uh, as always with At The Movies, we like to start off with a little bit of At The Movies trivia here. So, uh, for the first one, I'm just going to ask you guys a quick question. Can we bring up the first picture? Does anybody know who this is? That was the gimme, okay? That was the gimme, all right? But the, the more difficult question, okay? Yes, it's Steven Spielberg. The more difficult question, does anybody know where he went to college? LSU, I wish. No. Uh, he actually went, if you said he dropped out, you would be correct, okay? But if you also said he went to California State University, you would also be correct. Uh, he actually dropped out of California State University in 1968, because he got offered a job at Universal Studios. I think that worked out pretty well for him, don't you think? And uh, in 2002, that's 34 years later, he actually decided that he was going to go back and get his film degree. Okay? Isn't that awesome? He he decided to go back, and they, they allowed him to enroll using a fake name so that his professors would grade him fairly without bias. Now, they did give him a little bit of special treatment because normally film students were required to submit a 12-minute film for approval uh, for admissions. And they decided that his best uh, picture-winning Schindler's List more than met the criteria for admission. Uh, But he ended up getting his degree from California State. It's just an awesome, a cool thing. He wanted to show everybody that uh, the importance of a college education, show it to his kids that he would actually finish it. Just a very cool thing. Now, our next next one here, number two, here we go. Does anybody know who this is, the one on the left? Does anybody? George Lucas. That's exactly right. And uh, on the right, that is George Lucas's pet dog. So again, we gave you the gimme, George Lucas. We should maybe all know that. Now the question is, does anybody know what his dog's name was? Pixar. Pixar? No. Indiana. His dog was named Indiana. And now, can we bring up that next picture? The cool thing about Indiana was that Indiana obviously was the inspiration for the name Indiana Jones. It's where the name Indiana Jones came from. But also, while he was writing the script for Star Wars, his dog Indiana would be right by his side the whole time he was writing. And any time when he would go get in the car and he'd drive somewhere, Indiana would just hop right into the passenger seat and sit there and go for the ride along with him. And so as he was writing the script to Star Wars, he said... Han Solo should have a dog-like character by his side anywhere he goes. And so Indiana was also the inspiration for the creation of Chewbacca. So he was the inspiration behind Indiana Jones and Chewbacca. What has your dog done lately? And now for the last one here. Does, this, does anybody recognize what movie this uh, scene is from? Anybody? The Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's exactly right. Now, here's the the more difficult thing here. This is not a set built for the movie. This is actually an archaeological site in the country of Jordan. Does anybody know what it's called? Petra. Petra, that's right. Good job. There you go, everybody. Fantastic. And during the filming of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, they were on site in Jordan... And Steven Spielberg and the crew were actually guests at the royal palace of the king and queen of Jordan during filming. 
That's pretty awesome, huh? And actually, in the very last scene of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the heroes are riding off into the sunset on four horses on horseback. And those four horses were actually loaned to the set by the king and queen of Jordan. They were their personal horses that they were riding off into the sunset. Please don't hurt the horses, right? There are no injuries to these royal horses. Uh, but that actually brings us to what our movie is for the day. And that is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes, Indiana Jones, some swashbuckling adventure for us today. One of the most fun uh, movie trilogies of all time, Indiana Jones. And yes, I said trilogies. I'm not counting the last two because those don't count, Okay. Uh, but it's one of the most fun movie trilogies in the history of film. Indiana Jones is known for mystery, it's known for adventure, and it's known for the fight between good and evil, which is really such a perfect metaphor and symbol for all of us of what we're going through as we're going through at the movies here. It's a perfect metaphor and a symbol for us for the life that God really truly has in store for every one of us. That's really the, the big theme that I want us to hit at and take a look at today as we're looking at Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Because I really truly believe that the Christian life is a life of adventure. And I think that one of the greatest disservices that a church could ever do is to allow you uh, to believe that the Christian life uh, is all about just, you know, wanting to quiet you down, sit you down, shut you up, get you just to toe the line. Or that the Christian life, I think the world, the world wants you to think that the Christian life is just kind of like a lifelong detention. You know, you got to sit there and you got to think about all the wrong that you've done and everything like that. But the older I get and the more I actually live through the Christian life, I find that it's a lot less like detention and it's a lot more like Indiana Jones. Come on. There's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of adventure. And a life devoted to serving God, it really truly does reflect that epic struggle of good versus evil. I get to take up arms in that eternal battle of, str- of that struggle of good versus evil. Accepting God's call is accepting the call to a life of adventure. Following God in spite of the world's attempts to get you to abandon that heroic mission at every turn. There's nothing like it. The Christian life is a life of adventure. Have you ever been stopped? If you, or excuse me. If Because I know some of you have. If you've ever been stopped by security in a communist country when you're smuggling in Bibles and supplies, it's exhilarating. Am I right, Mr. Carey? Here we go. I suggest you all try it sometime. It's fantastic. It's better than bungee jumping. Uh, But no, a life surrendered to God is a life of adventure. It's a life of mystery. And it means that while there are successes and while there are triumphs, it also means it's not without its puzzles and pitfalls. Which brings us to the opening scene Of our first uh, Indiana Jones clip of the day. Now, to set up the story, if you guys have not seen the movie before, Indiana Jones is an archaeologist. He finds rare artifacts. uh, And it's set during World War II, so a lot of times these rare artifacts have these superpowers in them. And there's the forces of good trying to find them and the forces of evil. In this case, the uh, the Nazi Germany is trying to find it. And now Indiana Jones has been hired in this movie to find the Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper. And in this movie universe, many of people believe that that cup holds these magical healing powers. Now, legends in this movie say that three crusader knights in, during the crusades found the grail in the Holy Land. And one of those knights' tombs holds the secret location of the grail. And where we pick up here is Indiana's father, has devoted his whole life to the study of the Holy Grail and its location and finding it, but now he's been kidnapped 
while investigating this ancient library in the city of Venice. So as we pick up this scene, his friends thought that Indy's father was looking for a book about the knight's tomb. But he's left Indy his grail diary with all the clues, and Indy is about to find there's more to this library than meets the eye. Dad wasn't looking for a, Dad wasn't looking for a book about the knight's tomb. He was looking for the tomb itself. Don't you get it? The tomb is somewhere in the library. You said yourself it used to be a church. Look. Three. Three. Seven. Seven. Ten. And ten. Now where's the ten? Look around for the ten. and under the city of Venice, he finds the knight's tomb. And on the knight's shield, he finds inscribed on it the city name of Alexandretta, the location of the Holy Grail. Now, one of the things about this that I find is that sometimes there's a treasure lying just beneath our feet. And it just takes a different perspective for us to see it and to unlock it and to find it. When I was watching these clips, I know it's a fake movie, okay? I know it's fiction. But I was just thinking about... How many thousands of people over centuries had walked through that library not knowing that the secret to the Holy Grail was right underneath their noses the whole time they were just looking for a book to read? In our own lives, I feel like a lot of times we're at risk of missing out on God's life of adventure because of distractions that don't allow us to see it. We're caught up in the day-to-day, we're caught up in the ordinary, we're caught up in all these things that... The, the world wants us to get our eyes focused on. The devil wants to get us distracted by all these things. But I say today, let today be an opportunity where we look at our own life and we ask, where are the opportunities for me to step out in faith and make my life an adventure? If I don't see the Christian life as a life of adventure, let me take a look right now at my life and see where are the opportunities where I can take a step out in faith and see the adventure all around me. Where are the people around me that are in need? Where are the people around me who need prayer, who need love, who need compassion, who need a helping hand? Because the life of adventure for the Christian is a life of service. 
Mark 10, 45, our Messiah, Jesus, who came to show us what that perfect life is. He comes and he says, even the Son of Man came not to be served. Even Jesus, the Son of God, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our life of adventure is to imitate Jesus and to serve our neighbors in love. And then watch what God can do through you when you step out in faith. That's an adventure. And those opportunities are there. God's life of adventure is right under your nose. Sometimes we just have to have the eyes to see it. Now, to pick up where the rest of the movie goes on, Indy has found the resting place of the grail. He's found the hidden clue. He knows how to get there. But he's going to find that there are some out there who don't want him to find this treasure.
trying to kill us! Because you're looking for the Holy Grail! My father was looking for the Holy Grail! Did you kill him too? No! Where is he? If you don't let go of the drones, we'll both die! And we'll die! My soul is prepared! How's yours? This is your last chance! No, Dr. Jones! It's yours! Alright, where's my father? If you let me go, I will tell you where he is. Who are you? My name is Kasim. And why were you trying to kill me? The secret of the Grail has been safe for a thousand years. And for all that time, the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword had been prepared to do anything to keep it safe. Let me off at this gentleman. Ask yourself, why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for his glory or for yours? I always loved that character uh, when I was a little kid watching. I just thought he was so cool. Maybe it was the sick cross tattoo. I don't know. But uh, I just love the fact that he drops some just great questions on Indy. And he's dropping those questions on all of us today as well. The first one, as he's staring down death, he looks at Indiana Jones and he says, My soul is prepared. How's yours? I love that. Now, I definitely have to say, I don't approve of... Uh, our friend Kazim's evangelism strategy of shoot first and then preach later, okay? Uh, I don't recommend that. But I think the thing I always loved about his character was his focus on the bigger picture, his focus on eternity. He says, my brotherhood and I have had this mission for a thousand years, and if I die, I'm prepared. And the truth is, is all of us as Christians are taking part in this mission that has been the mission of God's people since the beginning of time itself. And that is to reflect His glory to the world around us. What a beautiful mission that we have. We're joining in with generations and generations and generations before us of bringing the life-giving message of the gospel throughout the world. To our little corner of the world where we're at right now. And he says, if I die, I'm prepared. Now, the key difference between us and Kazim in this movie is that our mission is not to keep the life-saving grail away from people, but to bring the life-saving gospel to everyone we can. What a life of adventure we have. Now, some of you guys, like I said, I'm saying over and over, he's saying, I'm, if I die, I'm prepared. I'm ready to lay down my life. And some of you guys might be out there asking, is he asking all of us to be martyrs? To a certain degree, I would say all of us Christians are martyrs. Or we're called to be martyrs. Jesus says, whoever wants to find their life must lay it down for my sake. Paul says that our defining act of worship, the thing that sets us apart as Christians, the thing that identifies us in our worship of the Lord is that our worship is to be a living sacrifice, to lay our lives down daily. Now, Paul says our sacrifice is a living sacrifice, and it's this beautiful picture because when Paul was talking for thousands of years, the way people worshiped their God, their deity, was by bringing something and killing it before their God. Now, Paul has this beautiful picture he paints and he says, we are a living sacrifice. 
We lay our lives down for the Lord, but we, it's the life that we live that's the sacrifice to God. The old us has died and the new has come, the Bible says. Paul says that the life I live now, I live it for the glory of God. That's the brotherhood that we join in when we take part in the Christian life, when we take up that call of adventure. So I ask you, everybody in the room right now, everybody who's watching with us online, this life that you're living right now, to quote our friend Kazim, is it for his glory or is it for yours? So as we pick up, Kazim also tells Indiana where his father is being kept. He's been kidnapped and now he's being held hostage by the Nazis in a castle in Austria. So Indy takes along uh, his research partner, Dr. Scheider, and he goes to rescue his father from the Nazis. Junior? Yes, sir. It is you, Junior. Don't call me that, please. Well, what are you doing here? I came to get you. What do you think? Late 14th century Ming Dynasty. Oh, it breaks the heart. And the head. You hit the head. I'll never forgive myself. Don't worry, I'm fine. Thank God. <laughs> it's fake. See, you can tell with the cross sections. No! Dad, get your stuff. We gotta get out of here. Well, I'm sorry about your head, though. But I thought you were one of them. Dad, they come in through the doors. Good point. But better safe than sorry. So I was wrong this time. I wasn't wrong when I mailed you my diary. You obviously got it. I got it and I used it. We found the entrance to the catacombs. Through the library? Right. I knew it. And the tomb of Sir Richard? Found it. He was actually there. You saw him? Well, what was left of him? And his shield. The inscription on Sir Richard's shield. Alexandretta. Alexandretta, of course. On the pilgrim trail from the Eastern Empire. Junior, you did it. No, Dad, you did. Forty years. If only I could have been with you. What do the Nazis want with you, Dad? They wanted my diary. Yeah? I knew I had to get that book as far away from me as I possibly could. What book? book? You have the diary in your pocket. <laughs> you don't. 
Do you think my son would be that stupid that he would bring my diary all the way back here? <laughs> you didn't, did you? You didn't bring it, did you? Well, uh, you did. Look, can we discuss this later? I should have mailed it to the Marx Brothers. Well, you take it easy. Take it easy? Why do you think I sent it home in the first place so it wouldn't fall into their hands? I came here to save you. Oh, yeah? And who's going to come to save you, Junior? I told you. Don't call me Junior. Look what you did. I can't believe what you did. Elsa. Elsa. That's far enough. Put down the gun, Dr. George. Put down the gun or the Fraulein dies. Which is one of them. And he please. She's what? Trust me. And he knows. I will kill her. Huh? Go ahead. No! Don't shoot. Don't worry, he won't. Indy, please do what he says. And don't listen to her. Enough, she dies! Ah, ah, Wait! Ah. Wait. You couldn't possibly think my son would be that stupid. That's one of my favorite lines there. And I really, in that moment when his dad is reaming him out like that, I feel for Indy in that moment because... Man, I do some stupid stuff sometimes. Anybody else with me? Anybody do some stupid stuff? Any of the husbands in here, y'all do some stupid stuff, right? There we go. Ladies, you don't need to say amen right now, okay? Any husbands, your wives do stupid stuff? Don't answer that. That would be stupid, okay? <laughs> now, I make mistakes constantly. And that's really, truly a part of what it means to be human. The Bible even says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. This church is not a church of perfect people. This is a church for imperfect people. To come into an encounter with the perfect God. The only one who is perfect is Him who's sitting on the throne. Now... I'm not just talking about little mistakes that we all make of forgetting to take out the trash or forgetting to get the milk at the grocery store or things like that. But I'm talking about the big mistakes that we make. And I know I don't need to define that because when I say it, I know we all know exactly what I'm talking about. And what I want to speak to a little bit is this idea of this dissonance that happens in our heart when we make mistakes. Because contrary to what the world wants to tell us, the, the, the overarching narrative of the world right now they want us to believe that we're just living our own truth. When we make a mistake, we're just doing what we want to do. When other people say that we're doing something wrong, we're just, you know, that's other people just trying to impose their morality on us and all those things. But we know that when we make a mistake, we know that when we, when we sin, it's not just a matter of inconvenience. We're not just inconveniencing our, ourselves or our loved ones. C.S. Lewis described it this way, that we're not just 
inconveniencing other people. What we're doing is we're breaking this universal truth called the moral law. And it comes from the moral lawgiver who exists outside of time and space, our one true perfect God. And when we sin, we're breaking these moral laws. They're universal, they're eternal, they're objective. They don't change. Now, when we break the law of gravity, we break a bone. But when we break the moral law, we end up breaking our soul. So while Indy's mistake in this movie led to the Grail Diary falling into the Nazi hands, what do our sins lead to? What do our mistakes lead to? Are they just inconsequential? Is it just like the world says, you're just living out your truth, do whatever makes you happy, there's no right and wrong. The Bible tells us that there are consequences to sin. And that the consequences of sin is death. If you lie in a relationship over and over and over again, that relationship will die. If you sin in your finances over and over and over again, you will have financial death. There's emotional death. But most of all, under every sin is eternal death. And that's a separation from God for all of eternity. Now, the verse continues on. The wages of sin, the consequences of sin is death. But it continues on in this. That God has a gift for everyone. While everyone is guilty of sin, everyone has made a mistake much bigger than what Indy did on the silver screen. There is a gift that is available to all of us as well, and that is the gift of eternal life in Jesus. No matter the size of your mess up, no matter the amount of bridges that are burnt in your wake, God is there for you with open arms to forgive you, to make you new, to wash you clean. And... Eternal life is not something that happens just when you die. Eternal life is something for right now in the here and now. The minute you accept Jesus, the minute you accept his forgiveness, the minute you accept his call to the Christian life, the life of adventure, of the life of defeating the forces of evil in your own life and in your own circle, that eternal life starts right now. That change in your life starts right now. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord right now. So many people have the one day approach to God. One day, one day I'll stop all that. One day I'll get, I'll go to Jesus. One day I'll repent. One day I'll ask for forgiveness. But I want to tell you something. He's here right now. He's here now. Not one day. He's here now. Change in your mind from one day to day one. Today can be day one. If Jesus is here right now, forgiveness is here right now. If Jesus is here right now, freedom is here right now. Life change is here now. Eternal life is here right now. You can be made new. You can have the life of purpose that you always have craved and desired. So to go back to our story here. Now the Nazis have Dr. Jones's grail diary. They know to the final location of the grail. The clock is ticking and Indy and his father must escape from that Nazi castle and try and beat the forces of evil to the Holy Grail before it's too late. Can you try and, re- Can you try and reach my left jacket pocket? What am I looking for? My lucky charm. It looks like a cigarette lighter. Try and burn through the ropes.
take something. Don't get sentimental now, Dad. Save it till we get out of here. The floor's on fire. You see? And the chair. By the personal command of the Fuhrer, secrecy essential to success, eliminate the American conspirators. Germany has declared war on the Jones boys. Close fire. Dad! Oh, Dad! Oh, Dad! Ah! Head for the fireplace! Oh. So with Dr. Jones's Grail diary in hand, the forces of evil, the Nazis, take off toward the Grail's resting place of Alexandretta. And in the next, next clip, as the Jones men catch up to the Nazis at the Grail temple, we see that when the stakes are high and everything is on the line, 
What we believe is what matters most. The grail is mine. And you're going to get it for me. Shooting me won't get you anywhere. You know something, Dr. Jones? You're absolutely right. Dad. Dad. No! Get back! When you're dead. The healing power of the Grail is the only thing that can save your father now. It's time to ask yourself what you believe. The movie reflects such an ancient truth there that so often in times of chaos in life and heartbreak, panic, or loss, we do as humans, we re- revisit what we believe. And what we believe affects everything. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord, the worship of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's the beginning of everything. What we believe about God, what we believe about his place in our life, what we believe about his place in the universe changes everything about the way we live. And for the believer, what we allow Excuse me. We allow our faith to guide us and direct us. Our belief about God, our trust in Him, we allow that to be what guides us and directs us. Not our flesh, not temptations, not the way of the world, not what even seems right in the moment. But it's our faith, our trust, and our belief in God that guides us and directs us. The Apostle Paul says it so well in 2 Corinthians 5-7. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't look at our own perception of the world. We look at everything through the lens of what we believe about God and what he says about the world. It changes everything, what we believe. And so today, we don't have to wait for a time of chaos or heartbreak or loss. We can ask ourselves and revisit the question today. What is it that you believe? What is it that you believe about the most important question that you'll ever have to ask yourself? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about his opinion of me? What do I believe about his power? What do I believe about his character? What do I believe about the person of Jesus and what he's done on the cross? We walk by faith and not by sight. And now in this last clip, Indy's made his way to the very last room where the Holy Grail is there. But now that they've shot his father, his only shot at saving his father is bringing the life-saving power of the grail to him. But here, in the presence of that knight from the Crusades, who's lasted for hundreds of years, he's left with this bevy of choices of grails. And he and the Nazis are both told to choose wisely, for the correct grail will give life, but the wrong grail will take life away. is it? You must choose. But choose wisely. For as the true grail will bring you life, the false grail will take it from you.
I'm not a historian. I have no idea what it looks like. Which one is it? Let me choose. But you have chosen wisely. If you guys have seen the movie before, yes, we uh, spared scarring your children. So if you want to scar your children from that last scene, you can go watch the full thing at home. But he says, he chose poorly and you have chosen wisely. I, I, I miss Hollywood movies like this where the good guys always win. The bad guys get their, their due comeuppance. And there's this idea of justice that we all hunger for this idea. And this is one of the reasons why we do at the movies, because these movies really do, these stories speak to a deep part of the human heart, not just hungering for justice, but we hunger and yearn for what was broken to be put back right. We hunger and yearn for what was taken from us to be restored. We hunger and yearn for what was dead and dying to be brought back to life. Now, Again, to go back to C.S. Lewis, he points out this beautiful thing about these hungers that are within us. He says, how cruel would it be for the newborn baby to cry out hungry for milk, and yet there would be no such thing as milk that existed? Or how cruel would it be for 
you to be in the pangs of thirst and yet there would be no such thing as water to quench it. And he says, all these deep hungers and yearnings that are within us for the things of the spiritual, these hungers and yearning for justice to be done, these hungers and yearning for what was dead to be brought back to life, for what was taken from you to be restored, for what was broken to be put back right, this hunger and yearning for forgiveness and a fresh new start. C.S. Lewis that says that hunger points to the fact that it's there. And in our hearts, we have this hunger for God. It points us to the reality that he's there. More specifically, we hunger and yearn for all those things. And just like that song we were singing earlier, the Bible describes that exact scene in heaven one day where all that is broken will be put back right. Where all our wounds will be healed. Now in our own lives, the spiritual side of that forgiveness A fresh new start. It can begin not one day, but today, day one. How? Just like the night was showing Indiana, he says, it's a choice. All the grails in this movie are like symbols for all the different approaches that people take to life. There's so many ways to live life that they seem like life. They seem like a good idea. But when you drink from it, you realize that... It wasn't life at all, but instead it took life from you. There's only one way, one truth, and one life. And it's not some 12-step approach. The Bible says that the way, the truth, and the life is not a 12-step approach, but it's a person. And it's Jesus. It's not a grail. It's Jesus. And he's here with his arms stretched out to you on day one. There's the wise choice. It seems humble, just like the grail seemed humble. And it's eternal life. By repenting of your sin, of taking his hand, accepting forgiveness, the forgiveness that's only found in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, like the grail washed away the wound, the blood of Jesus can wash away the wounds of your soul. Isaiah 118 still speaks to us today. God is speaking and he says, come now, let us settle the matter. Let us settle this debt that all your sin has, has accrued. And the Lord says, though your sins are like scarlet staining your life and staining your soul, they can be white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they can be white like wool. Ephesians 1, 7 says, how do we get it? In him, in Jesus We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of all our trespasses, not according to anything we've done, but by the riches of His grace. It's a gift. And just like a gift at Christmas, you have to choose to take it out from under the tree and open it. The grail in this movie is a supernatural trinket. Wow, to heal a bullet wound, that's amazing. But the real treasure in life is the forgiveness and power that's found from a life that surrendered to Christ. It can heal so much more than a bullet wound. A life surrendered to Jesus can turn your life around, can turn your marriage around, can break the bonds of addiction in your life. It can restore purpose and direction in your life. It saves you from an eternity in hell separated from God. And so my question today at the close of At The Movies Week 4, my question today at the close of our message today is what do you believe you can choose wisely today? 
So I would ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And everybody in the room, I want to ask that question, what do you believe? And more importantly, what do you trust in? The word faith in the Bible doesn't just mean a head belief. It means a heart trust combined. What do you trust in? What do you believe? Jesus is here today. He's died for you. He's offering the free gift of forgiveness and a new life of adventure that starts right now. A life of purpose. Defeating the forces of evil in your life and in your family and in your community. So my question is, do you want to accept his gift of forgiveness today? Do you want to shift from one day to day one? The Bible outlines how we do it. We just pray a prayer and we accept his gift of forgiveness. We confess that we are not the king and Lord of our life anymore, but he is. We surrender our life to him. And so I'm going to lead you in that prayer. Everybody in the room. And again, you don't have to. It's a choice. But everybody in the room is going to pray that prayer out loud with you to help you. You're not singled out. You're not the only one. We want to help you if you want to make that choice. And so as I pray the words of this prayer, it's not like the grail. It's not some magic words. But it's the heart of faith reaching out to God. He's already saved you. The question is, do you accept it? So I'm going to pray this prayer and and ask everyone in the room to pray it out loud. But if you want to pray that prayer today, we'll pray with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray that prayer this morning. Everybody say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for the cross that you spilled your blood so I could be forgiven. You died for me so that I could have life. So I accept your gift. I confess you're the Lord of my life. You're the king. And I give you my life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. Can you put your hands together for everyone who prayed that prayer today?